We're back at last. Welcome to the Nearbound Podcast. And today I have something for you very special. I'm super excited. I just got done recording something that was really just a career defining moment for me and sat down with the one, the only Jay McBain. And Jay McBain, I've referred to as the godfather of ecosystems. He's declared the 2020s, the decade of the ecosystems. And in this special release mini-sode, what we had Jay do is he actually sat down and he read the foreword for my new book coming out, Nearbound and the Rise of the Who Economy, which is out February 27th on Amazon, paperback, hardback, and audiobook. This is going to be one of the biggest moments, if not the biggest moment in partnerships history in terms of the work that has been put together. It's 250 pages of the most practical foundation up and executable things across nearbound sales, nearbound marketing, nearbound success, nearbound ops, nearbound mindset, how to go make all this happen, the plays and the economic and philosophical foundations to what the heck powers partnerships that makes all of this much more real than just another tired tactic or strategy. And I was, uh, I had goosebumps. I had, I had goosebumps sitting down with Jay, just hearing him read the foreword that he wrote for the book because it's phenomenal. So what we're going to do is we're going to release here the foreword uh, read by Jay, and then uh, we have a little uh, mini sode afterwards where we kind of talk about this moment and you know what it means for the industry for every single one of you listening. So thank you so much, Nearbound Podcast listeners and the folks that have been following, you know, the work that I've tried to get out there to evangelize and proselytize the industry over the past several years. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I truly, truly appreciate you all. So go to nearboundbook.com, get signed up for the event. If you're listening to this before February 27th, if not, go Nearbound on Amazon, get yourself a copy, pick up the audiobook, hardback, paperback, whichever one you want. I got, uh, we got all three coming out to uh, suit your flavor. So with that, we're going to hop in and uh, have Jay read the foreword to Nearbound and the Rise of the Who Economy, followed by a conversation with the both of us. Enjoy. Forward by Jay McBain. In making the case for Nearbound, I like to let the numbers do the talking. Today, 75% of the world economy is sold through partners. This is across 27 industries and 193 countries. You probably brought your last car from a dealer, your last TV from a retailer, and your last prescription from a pharmacy. You even bought your last jar of peanut butter from a grocer. Everything happens this way. But this 75% is more transactional than strategic. It's based on traditional channels such as retailers, dealers, resellers, franchisees, agents, and brokers, where partners are primarily intermediaries for distribution rather than influential relationships that can surround the customer journey. That's where the world is shifting. The $5 trillion tech industry follows the same pattern where 73.1% of it flowed through, to, and with partners. Interestingly, for every dollar spent on software and hardware, $2 is spent on services and growing. In 2023, tech services grew to be larger than telco services for the first time. Why do I share these numbers? Because a few years back, I declared that we were in the decade of the ecosystem. After the decade of sales beginning in 1999 and the decade of marketing in 2009, all data pointed to a once-in-a-generation shift in the global economy, one focused on going to market by influencing the customer with a network of trusted nodes. 
knows. In a word, nearbound. If you listen to McKinsey, for example, which operates within the boardrooms of Fortune 500 companies, they now report that 82% of CEOs are investing more in partnerships. These aren't just tech partnerships. They encompass leaders in pharmaceuticals, banking, insurance, manufacturing, and automotive. Every company in every industry is essentially mirroring tech companies' approach to ecosystems. And CEOs are now talking about how to leverage nearbound. Everyone now knows that going at it alone is not an option, not just because of the billions of dollars in revenue opportunities, but because of how the customer wants to buy. 91% of customers place a high priority on how a product integrates into their lives or workflows over its price, service, and brand reputation, indicating that the growing importance of integration first buying behavior among customers. The story the data is telling is simple. 91% of customers prioritize products that work with the tools and people they're already working with. In other words, the people they trust. The economics of partnering are changing rapidly. Companies across the spectrum are rethinking their approach to distribution, adjusting to the new realities of customer buying habits and expanding software stack that must interoperate. New programs and structures are emerging and companies need to adapt to these changes to stay competitive and maximize their profitability. A shift this big needs a voice. There are thousands of watering holes in the enterprise and tech channel world where people congregate, learn, and swap ideas. But the transformation from the traditional channel framework to an ecosystem approach requires new ideas, new frameworks, and a new lexicon. I've been following this transformation for most of my career. I can give you stats to validate every trend and inform every prediction, but humans will lead the decade of the ecosystem. And humans need more than data. Humans need narratives. They need stories and mental models that connect data dots into an understandable arc. Nearbound is the leading framework helping companies leverage the decade of the ecosystem. And Jared Fuller is a storyteller for this era. In this book, Jared has given a voice to this growing movement, a rallying flag for all those laboring in the fields of partnerships and ecosystems. But more than that, with this book, Nearbound has turned into an execution plan. It's now an actionable strategy that allows companies across industries to take advantage of the most recent global shift. There is still work to be done, particularly in bringing together the emerging class of partner-focused startups with established enterprise teams and the world of traditional channels. That work begins with ideas and conversations. It ends in a total transformation of business as we know it. Nearbound and the rise of the WHO economy is a giant leap forward in the conversation. I expect it will only get better with age as the ideas and predictions in these pages are borne out in the world. The nearbound movement is gaining momentum, but it's still early. This means that those who see the shift participate in the conversation and adjust their lives and business strategies accordingly will have first mover advantage. We have a chance to be part of the next phase in this decade defining shift. This book is solidifying the path forward, a path that will make us active participants 
in the legacy it is helping to create. Nearbound and the rise of the Who economy is going to change the way we think about business. I welcome that change. Jay McBain, Chief Analyst at Canalis, February 2024. I got goosebumps. <laughs> that was that was so cool. That was surreal, Jay. That was surreal. Just to like be uh, you know, sitting here watching that. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Yes. I'm tr- truly, truly, truly honored. Um uh I think I might I think I might leave that in. Um so we could just kind of kick off with a quick conversation here. Um uh wow. That was awesome. So Jay, um Thank you so much for agreeing to um, do the forward for the book and have your you know voice behind it. Obviously, um, this book would not be possible without your contributions to the industry and space. Um, you've certainly helped shift and shape um, some of the plays and things that I've done personally, but then also how I think about the the wider industry. Um, maybe we could start a little bit since we, uh, after that forward of like contextualizing kind of the moment that we're in. You've updated your keynote, you know, four years into the decade of the ecosystem. I saw it in PartnerCon. Um, you know, we're, we're four years into this shift that you've predicted. Um, is this the right moment to release this book? It absolutely is. And, and every movement, not only the ones we mentioned in tech, you know, that decade of sales, the decade of marketing, but every moment uh, in human history, you know, and it, it's never one person. It takes a collective, as you mentioned, but there's always that storytelling, that there's that trigger points. And I think all of us have read and, and know the books uh, that, that triggered each of these other movements and, and started these other decades. And I think right now, and that's what's really missing right now, is that defining um, thing that, that we can go back on. As you said, it only gets better with age and you know it sets the course. But three or four years into a decade now, we know enough, we've seen enough, and, and again, the statistics and some of those predictions that we made have become true, that it can be written now with authority. Right. Um, looking at um, kind of some of the stories from the book, um, the, some of the evidence is so overwhelming, it's it's almost shocking. So if you look at, let's say, the fastest growing startup of all time, I mean, it's a platform strategy, OpenAI, built in a partnership with Microsoft. I mean, and then there's so much partnering around that that's affecting everything. But then even some of the luminaries of our space and time from old world to new world, like one of the stories I cover, because there's 105 people referenced in the book and 110 companies, right? So like, mm-hmm. this is not just a case study of, let's say, HubSpot or something, right? One of the little companies I'm clearly a fan of, it's massive. So like Elon Musk and let's say Tesla and their supercharging network. And then there's partnerships with Hilton and then wait, Ford and GM come to the table. And it's like, that's a new world. Like those things have happened in the last six to nine months. You know, open AI didn't exist a year ago. So I think the timing and the inflection point from some of these stories, it's getting bigger, it's getting better and getting more evident. Yeah. And I think the people that recognize this uh, more than anyone else are investors. Right. You know, reminded, you know, two weeks ago when Microsoft, you know, a massive platform company became the most valuable company in the world. You called it. Ahead of, by the way, another huge platform company, which is a bit more restrictive, though, on their ecosystem, which is Apple. So, you know, one of them happens to be in court, you know, kind of fighting some of its ecosystem players for who shares and what profit and, you know, how marketplace economics work and things like that. But 
you know, the most valuable company today basically dropped their fees uh, to 3%, which is near zero, you know, just the cost. It's like swiping a credit card. But they right. basically said while they did it is, you know, we're not going to profit off of our ecosystem. All, boy, all boats rise and we're going to create, you know, trillions of dollars of opportunity together. OpenAI was just one of those plays. Right. But a very significant, you know, tip of the spear play, you know, for the next generational opportunity uh, for all of us. But th this is the thing is if you look at the Fortune 500 and start reading from line one down, and you mentioned Tesla, you know, that platform for transportation as a service is more powerful than making, you know, the latest, greatest, you know, sedan. And, and that's why they're valued so highly. They're valued four or five times uh, per dollar that the companies in their own industry are in, leading companies like right. Mercedes and BMW and Toyota. Uh, and, and that's why it's a platform company. And those other car companies, there's 63 of them, have to become platform companies themselves when 79% of people won't buy a car without Apple CarPlay or Android Auto running the driving experience from window to window to windshield. I'm not sure that your next CEO should be a, a sales leader, finance leader, even engineer. I'm arguing that I think your next CEO probably should be a partnership expert and somebody who can go make those very senior trillion dollar type of decisions, kind of like Microsoft did, and lead your company to be that platform for your buyer. Everything changes. And I think this book is right on the mark in calling out these other industries and understanding what a platform economy is and, and how partnerships are the you know, bread and butter of that. And, and, and what I love about being able to do this right now, like, cause I've seen it firsthand. I mean, one of my mentors was Pete Caputa. So like HubSpot alum, right. Helped build their agency program. Well, Pete today is what? He's the CEO of Databox. He's not just a partner leader. He's exactly what you said. And Pete provided some great quotes for the book. But if you actually understand the Databox story and how they've grown to 120, 150 person startup, they're profitable. They're hyper growth. And how it, it's just such a case study on how to build a business in the decade of the ecosystem and with near bound plays. So like one of Pete's superpowers is, um, and I, we break this down in the book, how a marketing team of three people. So we're not talking about Microsoft here. This is a marketing team of three people marketed with over a thousand agencies last year. Do you think that those thousand agencies had a little bit wider reach and a little bit more trust with the end buyer, their customers, than Databox did? Yes, it did. The unit economics of that marketing funnel. And then even the activities. If I'm a marketing manager, how do I market with partners? You know, it's not through channel marketing automation. It's not MDF. It's something a little bit different. It's what I call nearbound marketing, for example. And being able to break down those plays for the front line and everyone in business across sales and account executives or sales managers and work with these people. I think that's, to me, what's been so exciting about Nearbound is it's the plays that the other departments run with partners and getting them excited and showing them, look, you know, if you're a startup or if you're an industry giant, these things do work. They work really well. They work certainly better than declining uh, outbound or inbound where GPT has kind of reduced, you know, the, the transaction cost of content down to next to zero, right? Um, so it's funny you mentioned partner leaders should be the next CEO. Some of the best ones I know, well, they are. And I would say, you know, HubSpot's a great story because, you know, who won in the decade of marketing? You know, once the biggest three companies were acquired by fortune-sized companies, uh, Aliqua went to Oracle, Marketo went to Adobe, Pardot went to Salesforce, 
The winner and you know, soon to be $60 billion valued company was HubSpot. But they started as an inbound company, which inbound at the time broke outbound, which was a decade of sales strategy. Right. And guess where HubSpot is now? It's nearbound. It's thinking that, you know, I'm going to go hire the person to put together the MarTech ad tech stack with 13,080 current ISVs on it. Let's go, you know, bring the team that understands what tech integrations look like at that scale. Let's go bring in a team that understands there's 200,000 digital agencies, which, you know, 78% of them are now tech services companies that surround a marketing buyer who in many companies spends more on technology than the IT buyer. So just between those two nearbound strategies, HubSpot is far and away a leader, not only in the decade of marketing, but now in the nearbound decade, the decade of the ecosystem. Right. So this is a, a company that can, you know, not change its stripes, but evolve to understand where the puck's going to be. And again, from Pete to, to all these examples we could have, are just people that live this. It's in their DNA. It's in the culture of the companies they're building. And again, I, as an investor, for example, I would be watching these companies very, very closely because they're going to be the highest valued. Right. And, and even pulling that uh, back apart a little bit when it comes to platform strategy. So like, if you look at the companies that are really doing well, and um, I, I'm bleeding orange today, so I'll continue to unpack this one. Um, if you look at Karen, so Karen Inge, she's the um, SVP of uh, product, so, I mean, right under, you know, Darmesh, who's, you know, a figurehead and probably not doing as much code frontline. He's still the code junkie, but Karen's really leading the product and platform strategy there. But look at her background. You know, so if you look at a, you know, if you're a public market investor, this is not my investment advice, but what was her background? Well, she was seven years at Microsoft building platform, and then she built Google Android, right, platform. And then now she's, wait a second, she's at a B2B, you know, SaaS company. Well, why? Because she thinks platform first. Right. Like that's the kind of innovation across department. Right. This is not a partner person that's on a partner team. This is a product leader who is driving a platform strategy for HubSpot to open up cool stuff. And, you know, that's at the top. At the bottom, you have a company like Supered and Matt Boylan. And it's a cool little case study. If, you, if you've seen Matt out there, you know, loud on LinkedIn, he's super fun. But like this year at Inbound, you know, we're working on some partner track stuff, some nearbound stuff around the event. And he's putting up 50 grand for, you know, a, a HubSpot Connect API hackathon for people to build on the HubSpot API. HubSpot's not doing that. A HubSpot partner is, right? Like right. that innovation, if you're looking down at that, you're like, wait a second, one of our partners is putting up 50 grand to build something net new and win. Like that to me, how are you going to do that with the next feature you release? You know, like that only comes out of, you know, an ecosystem platform kind of nearbound strategy. So it's cool to see from the big cats, down to the small startups innovating, what can happen that you otherwise could not predict um, in traditional go-to-market motions or even PLG. Like these things uh, create cr entirely new opportunities that are that are fun to watch, frankly, too. It's much more fun to see, you know, Matt put up 50 grand for a hackathon than it is like, hey, check out our new feature that does X, Y, Z. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, a few months ago, we kind of tore down the top 50 platforms in the world. And so stop talking orange for a second. I mean, rinse right. and repeat. You know, there's a Salesforce story. There's a ServiceNow story here. There's a, uh, a Workday story. There's a NetSuite story. So go through the top 50 platforms. Again, the most valuable in front of their buyer type of stories. You know, the one thing that exists is, and, and as channel people, and I spent 30 years in the channel, 
you know, great, you know, part of this book is, you know, this idea that, you know, the channel is part of Nearbound. Of course. You know, Salesforce, which is a 90 something percent direct company, has 220,000 partners. You know, the other day, ServiceNow, which is a direct, you know, selling company, has 250,000 partners. And that's the goal is to raise that to a million. The goal at Salesforce is to raise it to half a million. So it, it, it for people that grew up in a channel world, how could you be a direct company but still have a quarter million people who are living off your multiplier? That's the economics of Nearbound. It's right. I don't want to make 10% of the deal. I want to make 200 or 300% of the deal. And by me doing that, all boats rise because you now have a customer for life because it was probably properly implemented, properly consumed, usage is up, it is sticky um, forever, every 30 days forever. And that's what we all want. So the companies that celebrate other companies that come in and spend $50,000 on a hackathon that celebrate this multiplication of the opportunity, you know, see the, the dividends. And it shows up again in, in stock price or private equity valuations or just an exit if you're a small startup. You know, you want a 10x exit today. I hope, you know, page two, four, and seven of your pitch deck have Nearbound written on it because that's kind of the method to go forward. And that's now what our private equity and venture capital folks are starting to look for to, to move in today's climate. You know, they got to be much more selective, but they're asking these platform questions, which is exciting. This is kind of year three, year four of a decade, and, and it's just picking up momentum. Absolutely. From the biggest VCs to the biggest CEOs, you know, Bill McDermott is kind of putting on a case study right now with service service. Now it's fun to see him, uh, you know, um, kind of hop in and, and take that reign and say words like ecosystem in public and earnings reports. You know, we've seen obviously Satya do that. We've seen Benioff do that. Um, we've seen Yamini do that. Like you said, you can just go down the list of these platform companies. And, you know, I mentioned Elon Musk earlier. It's wild to me to be like, wait, well, hey, this is one of my favorite entrepreneurs, CEO of, you know, uh, SpaceX and then CEO of T-Mobile talking about a partnership to, you know, mobile communications and transform that industry. Like that's going to be big in telco, right? Like there's a conf a confluence of channel and IT telco. And it's like, well, there's a space company with satellites up in the air. And then, you know, the pink mobile carrier, that's kind of the, you know, was the gadfly of the industry. Like, okay, they're partnering up to do something pretty crazy. And eventually your cell phone might be, you know, satellite driven. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. The moment's here. We're, we're here with the godfather of the ecosystem, Jay McBain. Jay, Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me. It's truly an honor to um, have you write the forward to the book. And uh, we're going to go get uh, thousands and then tens of thousands of copies out there. Um, and we're really excited for the uh, launch event. So thank you so much for uh, hopping on with me for this quick little mini-sode on um, Nearbound and the Rise of the Who Economy. Absolutely. And uh, congratulations to you and congratulations to everybody you work with uh, you know, to get this to print. Because, I, again, I think it's uh, defining. It, it's at the moment... It defines the moment, and, and I think we'll look back on it, um, and, and it'll live through you know more than this decade. It will be one of those uh, you know, defining pieces of work. So again, congratulations. Thank you so much. Well, you can go get a copy, nearboundbook.com. Search for Nearbound on Amazon. Um, audiobook, paperback, hardcover um, available uh, now that you're listening to this, nearboundbook.com. Um, if you get this before February 27th, after that date, go pick it up on Amazon and uh, Nearbound. We'll see you around until next time on the Nearbound Podcast.